0: In the monastery, we receive many prayer requests through the mail, through email, over the phone, and often enough in person. Every so often, someone asks for prayer and immediately apologizes. I know I shouldn't ask for this, but please pray that I get this job that I really want. Or pray that my son's team wins the championship, and so on. Now, I think that prayer is so important that unless a desire we have is intrinsically evil in some way, we shouldn't hesitate to take any of our concerns to God. In fact, Jesus tells us today to ask for our daily bread, something that we usually just take for granted otherwise, but to ask God for it is to invite uh, an awareness that it's God who provides, that God's actually involved in our lives at an intimate level. The more we pray, the more we begin to see God involved in our lives. The more persistently we pray, the more our desires will become truly spiritual. And there's no spiritual gift withheld from the one who prays persistently and ardently. But let me return to things that we desire that are less spiritual. I'm old enough uh, to have still had nuns and priests teaching me in grade school. And the subject of prayer came up a lot. Uh, this was the 1970s, after the council. There was a lot of thought given to how we should pray. And this is to say that, for the most part, my teachers recognized that we all need to be taught how to pray. Right? The disciples actually asked Jesus to teach them. And there shouldn't be any scandal in this. We need to be taught how to eat with a knife and fork, after all. Babies can't do this. We have to be taught how to read and speak. So when the disciples approach Jesus and ask him to teach them how to pray, they are expressing a real need in a humble way. It's fascinating because there are actually many examples of prayer in the scriptures, including the incident in today's first reading, where Abraham seems to talk God out of destroying the innocent with the guilty. Elijah is famous for the wonders he wrought in prayer. Daniel, Esther, Susanna, all kinds of others were noted for receiving responses from God in the form of visions or events. This brings me back to those consecrated persons who wanted to teach me to pray when I was a child. One of the things they insisted on was that we listen to God's response. This came up over and over again. And I suppose that I've internalized this teaching Because when someone comes up to me today and says, well, I probably shouldn't pray for the White Sox to win the World Series, but maybe is that okay? I usually tell them, well, there's nothing actually wrong with that. And anytime we turn to our Father to share our desires with Him, we're doing well to include Him in our lives. He wants us to turn to Him and ask for the things that we need and want. But here's the one thing. You have to accept His response. So... One World Series win in 100 years, that's what you get. So if I don't get what I was hoping for, it's important that I try to understand that it's not for my benefit right now to receive it, that there's some greater good that God wishes to give me. Or perhaps it's not for my benefit right now to receive it, maybe it'll be later. And I'm focusing on these somewhat trivial requests that we make of God because I want to encourage us all to pray as much as possible to bring God into our lives at every level we can. But sometimes this prayer can be very heroic. You know, if we're praying for a loved one who's suffering from an addiction or we're praying for a loved one who is seriously ill, whatever very serious things in our lives that are, are not technically spiritual in the sense of we're, we're talking about bodily healing, Uh, It can be quite heroic to continue to pray even when we're not getting what we want and to accept God's will if it doesn't go the way we've asked. And so there's something very uh, saintly about this kind of persistence in prayer. But in any of these cases, whether it be something more trivial or something very serious, when we gradually learn to accept God's responses to our prayers, we gradually begin to detach from worldly benefits that we're seeking, and to accept spiritual benefits, which are many, much more important. If I can turn, if you can turn, if we can all turn disappointment in the fortunes of a son's baseball team or a lost job opportunity into trusting God, into greater faith, into greater acceptance of God's will, a greater detachment from worldly standards... Then we've grown spiritually. We really have. That's actually happened. And this is a much greater gift from God than any temporal success he could give us. And again, we should be grateful for those too. I'm not saying he should absolutely refuse us everything. He doesn't even tell us that that's what he's going to do. It's just that he knows better what we need than we do. Jesus also shows us something of how this works. He says at the very end of today's gospel, if we who are wicked know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven give us good gifts? I think this is one of the the differences why the disciples are seeking out Jesus' help here, because in the Old Testament there wasn't this immediate sense of God as Father, which we have as the baptized. So God wants us to turn to him as a father. He wants us to be children of him. And to trust that he's going to give us, like a father would, a good father, the gifts we need. And indeed, the gift par excellence is the Holy Spirit. And the gifts given through him, wisdom, understanding, piety, fortitude, and so on. And notice, these gifts commonly are manifested through struggle, right? If God always gives us what we ask for and what we want, we're not likely to make a lot of progress in understanding how the world actually works. Because oftentimes, you know, what God is telling us is, you know, that's not how things actually work. What you're asking for goes up against reality. I'm sorry, but that's it. So we can grow in understanding. We can grow in wisdom when we don't get what we want. Uh, If we always get what we want, it's not likely that we'll grow in fortitude, persistence, perseverance, or reverence toward God. Acceptance that, again, God is God and I'm not. And how much better to mature in understanding and in perseverance and reverence than simply getting what we want. And then, when we begin to understand this, we can begin to pray for these gifts, for spiritual gifts. And uh, this is uh, where a real battle begins, or can begin, Uh, One of the brothers was talking to me last year, and he said, I I began to pray to God for patience, and immediately what happened is uh, everything began to frustrate me. Yes, of course, because we can't grow in patience if nothing ever contradicts our will. if We don't have to endure anything, right? So God's answering your prayer when you ask for patience and he gives you obstacles. Uh, But when we begin to pray for these gifts uh, and accept them from God, literally nothing in this world can harm us and we will long all the more for the world to come where none of the things that we're we're attached to here will ever be taken away. This is the ultimate gift that God wishes to give us, resurrection by the power of the Spirit in His Son. And we experience this, we begin to sense this now when we live more and more by faith. And again, the more we pray, the more we're going to live spiritually, we'll live by faith. Faith in God's protection, faith in God's presence in the Holy Eucharist and the sacraments, faith in the scriptures as the word of God, and so on. So by all means, turn to God with everything you need, with all your needs in prayer. But let us all make an active assent to whatever God's answer is, since we believe that he arranges all things for the good of those who love him.